0: podcast has bad words. (laughs) Every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh I bet that you'd be fine without it.
1: Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 132. Today we're going to talk about experiences. And I thought I'd kick things off, Ryan. I I uh, couldn't sleep this morning. I got up at 2 a.m. and just started writing. I, I finished this essay. I, I, I started this essay sometime in in, uh, March, right after we got back from the Australian leg of the end of our our tour. And like, it just sort of sat there and I I went back to it this morning and it is called, and it's really about experiences, but the type of experiences that we have, this one's called scrolling is the new smoking. Yeah. You're eating dinner with a friend at your favorite restaurant. Amid the sounds of utensils and dishes and mastication, you hear the muffled ring of the mobile phone in your friend's pocket. Most people wouldn't stop the conversation to answer their phone in front of you. Even if it was an emergency, they would step away from the table to take the call. Why then don't we extend the same consideration to text messages, emails, and tweets? Look around the next time you're in line at Chipotle, Whole Foods, or Exxon. Our addictions are showing. A generation ago, everyone casually puffed their cigarettes throughout the day. Today, indoor smoking seems crazy, but it's been replaced by the captivating glow of our four-inch screens. Damn, perhaps scrolling is the new smoking. Now look around again. Take in the room. Breathe. Why isn't anybody smiling? If the telos of our technology is connection, then why do we let our devices create a smoke screen between us? There's been much talk about building a wall lately, but perhaps we've already built one, an attention barrier between us and the people in our everyday lives. To tear down this glowing wall I've been trying something different lately. Anytime I must respond to a message at home, at the office, or at the local burrito joint, I simply say, please excuse me while I step outside and take this message. Just like I would if I needed to make a phone call or if I decided to take up smoking. It sounds silly at first, I know. But this choice forces me to prioritize that which is urgent versus that which is important. When scrutinized, our urgent tasks are rarely important. Plus, my friends respect my good manners and they almost always extend the same courtesy to me. I found that um, I started doing this recently, even at home. Like, if it's just me and Bex, I'm like, excuse me for a second while I take this this message like I would if it was a phone call or especially like I mean if I was a smoker which I've never been but like if I was going to be a smoker like I wouldn't just oh I'm gonna light up right here in this Chipotle all of a sudden right that would seem crazy yeah, um, definitely but the experience of going to these places and i noticed it a lot i was i was out at a chipotle recently uh the one on uh, la brea and melrose and i was s- seated there at one of those sort of community tables but i was by myself you know one of the long tables has like six or eight yeah, seats on yeah. it and this guy came up and said hey there are no other seats available can i sit here i said yeah absolutely he goes i want to sit next to you because you look like a human <laughs> <laughs> and i said yeah man i'm definitely a human he goes I'm sick of people. You're fooling everyone, Josh. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) He said, I'm sick of people. Mm. And I said, what do you mean you're sick of people? He goes, look around. Mm. You're the only person here smiling. Mm. And I looked around, and and it was true. There there was a whole family at at the other community table, all five of them on their devices at the same time. Mm. I don't know what they were doing, and I'm, I'm sure am are. It's the modern family, man. It, 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 it sadly is, and, I, and don't get me wrong. I understand there are times where it's necessary, mm-hmm. and, and, but, but for me, stepping away shows that there's times that, you know what, it is necessary. I need to interrupt this experience we're having because there is something that happens to be more pressing in the moment. I don't want to set up that barrier. I don't want to build the wall between us while we're at Chipotle eating our burritos. I'd rather just step away for a second and, uh, and, and do what I need to do because here's the, here's the truth about that. The 10 times that I'm itching to, to reach for my phone and check the tweet or write down the message or, or respond to a text message, nine of those 10 times aren't actually important. They're just urgent. They feel urgent. Mm. It's a faux emergency. But yeah. of course, most emergencies aren't. And, uh, and, and what I found is that our experiences of life have changed a little bit. And so we've got, we've got some questions to, to answer today. How about we dive into some of these, these voicemails that we've got? Let's do it. All right. The first one is from Ellen in Chicago.
2: This week, I'm moving
3: to New Orleans to start my master's program. Um, I'm excited to be moving into a new place, into an exciting new city, um, and I'd love to know what advice you have for moving to a new city and making sure to not get caught up in the potential materialistic experiences that come along with that.
4: Moving to New Orleans, there's a lot of uh, definitely a lot of experiences that that she can that she can partake in down there, man. I remember when we were in New Orleans, it was like non-stop 24 hours worth of experiences you could partake in from music to food yeah. to concerts to whatever. Uh, they've got yeah, a ton of stuff going on. So so how does she how does she
1: manage all of this stimulus and all of these temptations? I'm glad to hear that she said she's excited and not scared or nervous or whatever cuz uh, She should be excited. Exactly. And, and so I know sometimes some people who are listening to this, they might be moving to a new city or considering it and and that the, the thought of that is, is terrifying for you, but to realize that quite often the physiology of terror maps on to the same physiology as excitement. And so so keep that in mind, Ellen is moving here to a brand new city and this could be terrifying, but it's an opportunity for her to be excited. So congratulations for that. Uh, first question that I would ask myself if, if I was uh, moving there, cause you're moving there for your master's program, it sounds like, so I don't know. Are you going to be there for a long time? Do you not know? Uh, what What is the commitment that you're giving yourself to right now? Is it two years? Years? Is it 10 years? Is it the rest of your life? A- and that's going to help you identify what is necessary, what you need to bring into your life. And you, you talked about the materialistic experiences that come with uh, moving to a new city. And so the first question I'm going to ask for my- myself after I determine how long I'm going to, to be there, if I'm going to be there for two years, then I'm going to say, how much is enough for that two-year period? Like, what is enough for me? And then the next question I'm going to ask is, okay now what's really enough so the first thing when i say what is enough quite often people will think like okay what do i need when i move into there you know, the, the 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 chapter and everything that remains right i start you know filling my new my new apartment with stuff is like i need the couch and the end table and the the sofa and the throat pillows i really thought they were called throat pillows at the time right um and there's nothing inherently wrong with any of the stuff that I was considering buying, or the things I did buy, actually. The... the the problem was I was buying those because that's what I was supposed to have that's not what enough really is Mm. what is enough for you what's going to help you thrive in in your situation so it sounds to me like you're moving there you're probably going to move some stuff with you but it's also really nice to start with a clean slate you can go back and listen to the podcast we did about moving to Los Angeles moving to this new city and also the the couple uh, podcasts we did most recently the one about decorations we talked about some of the, the home goods that we filled our own spaces with as well. And and the thing that I had to ask myself is what is enough for me given the circumstance that I'm in? Now what's enough for me now at age 36 is different from when I was 28 and I was going to Ikea and filling my life with all that other stuff. In fact, I need a few more things in my life now because I have a partner and we have a four-year-old daughter. And so that's a little bit different. The things that are enough for me are gonna be different from the things that are enough for 24-year-old Ellen here. So what is really enough for you? What are the things that are gonna add value to your life? What's gonna serve a purpose or bring you joy? And then Ryan, I know once you've determined that, the, the what is the bare minimum material thing, slowly populate your life with those material things. You don't need all of them right away. Think about those things. The real thing to think about here, instead of the new stuff, is what are the experiences that a, a city has to offer? So when you move to a new place, I can think of when we moved to, to Missoula, you discovered some some new experiences almost immediately, right? Yeah, plenty of experiences.
4: You know, the first piece of advice I want to give Ellen is uh, make sure she has a clear budget. I think all those things that you talked about, that she some of those things she will need to bring into her new house. She's got to be clear that she can afford it, and and I am talking about monetarily here. But she's also got to ask other questions too, right? Can okay. she afford to? Can she afford to store the item? Can she afford to take care of the item? Like how much? A big
1: enough apartment <clears throat> to have all the stuff.
4: Exactly, and if she's going to be there for only two years. Uh, then, then she probably doesn't want to overwhelm herself with, uh, yeah, with 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 more costs than just monetary costs. Especially if she's going to be taking a master's program, that's going to eat up a lot of her time. And in Missoula, man, uh, you know, when we moved there, I think the first thing I focused on it was really finding the right people to hang out with, mm. because uh, I think for so long when I would find uh, new relationships, it was usually based off of my shitty habits. Yeah, and when I would. F- build relationships off of those bad habits, uh, well then guess what? I just am perpetuating all of those bad habits. So when I moved to Missoula, I went out of my way to make sure to build relationships with people who I emulated, who I wanted to be like. So yeah, I was, I was in that play when I first got to Missoula uh, thanks to Rebecca Schaefer and, and and Josh Wagner. Uh, they did a really, really awesome job of just helping me grow through this whole experience of pretty much ad-libbing uh, a, a script i mean when i when, when i got when i got um uh the 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 callback for the audition they're like yeah you you've got the part great come on in we're gonna start working on the script tomorrow and i'm like wait what there's no script <laughs> <laughs> and you're the lead role in this play. Right, right 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 so so long story short i just went out of my way to find good people i went out on my way to make myself uncomfortable right and uh i i did that very very deliberately and there were certain folks who you know i would go to build a relationship with and quickly realize like oh like this might uh this might um oh i don't know bring back some of those bad habits that i was once in uh, or that i once had in my life
1: yeah because and, you, and the spark will always sort of be there for definitely. us any of us to have bad habits bad habits are easy right mm-hmm. and so if the spark is there the last thing that we want is something that's going to ignite that around us and and, and th- those relationships can ignite the bad habits
4: yeah so like there were certain people i would start to build relationships with and i was like hey you know what maybe this isn't going to be such a good friendship. And that's okay. That's kind of the fun part of moving to a new city right. is you get to decide who you hang out with. You get to decide who your community is. You get to decide what what your new habits are and, and really act on those. The uh, The other thing, too, I want to warn Ellen about is don't fear... That you're missing out on anything like this is uh something that you and i have definitely talked about before josh but i i, th- I know when i was in new orleans mm-hmm. we were only there for a few days in 2014 right but dude i felt like i missed out on good blues i felt like i missed out like mardi gras was literally happening like two days the parade was happening two days after we were there i don't know if you remember that or not but they were setting up for it when we were there yeah. missed out on mardi gras um, i did not miss out on oysters and shrimp and crawfish i did like eat till my heart was content but here's the point <laughs> is that looking back, I didn't really miss out. I mean, yeah, I would love to go to New Orleans and, like, dig some really, you know, get some really cool uh, or see some really cool, like, original jazz or, like, original blues, Um, but, but, you know, that is something... That I can always go back and do if I really, really want to. Mardi Gras, probably, probably glad I didn't get that. That's uh, my 25 yeah. year old self would have been excited, but my my 30, well, God, going on 37 this year, dude. I'm not, uh, I'm not too too upset that I missed out on the Mardi Gras parade, but but the fear of missing out can be real, especially uh, for Ellen here, who's 24 years old. So she might have that fear even more than someone like me, who's you know 15 years older. But uh, but Ellen, don't don't. Uh, don't let that uh, stray you from, well, A, from following uh, your, your, your values and beliefs and, and upholding those, but also the path that, you, that you've that you chosen for your master's, your graduate degree, uh, don't let the fear of missing out distract you from the purpose of, of why you moved down to to new orleans and yeah
1: i, I agree that, that the 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 fear of missing out is is going to be big especially moving to a new place there's it's going to be there's so many things to do right yeah and, and uh, uh the, the other thing that comes along with the fear of missing out is is the the sort of paralysis of the the paradox of choice like mm. there's so many options that all, oh my god like there i, I there's so many things i could do there's ten thousand things i'm not going to do any of them because i'm overwhelmed by it and so what, what i say is is pick something know what your priorities are know why you're there? You're there to get your your master's program. That is your that's your priority, right? But then, what are your other priorities in life? And then, f- fill your life with the things and the experiences that augment those priorities. So, for me, when I first came to to Los Angeles. Um, the museums and different parks and different programs or different weekly and monthly gatherings that things that were available that were free or inexpensive or that were well worth the the money. We talked uh, on a previous podcast about going out to the Hollyhock house and and experiencing the the arts and the culture of a city is a great way to understand the the city and its inhabitants. And also, what are the things that are are going to uh, amplify your health, right? Yoga or soul cycle. Or the Russian bathhouse. These are all things that I think about here in in Los Angeles. Um, wh- where's the healthy food? How are you going to fuel your body so you fuel your mind? You do the best you can in in this master's program. And the last thing I'm thinking about here, Ryan, is this tweet I got this week from a gal named Hannah Stone. She said, "Hey, great podcast, guys. Uh, w- the one we did with Rich Roll a couple weeks back. Oh yeah,
4: that
1: was um, great. and she said, uh, Josh, at the end of that episode, you mentioned that you loved Los Angeles. You love living in Los Angeles." I'm moving to LA soon, and I'm curious about what your favorite areas/slash pockets are. How do you think traffic and commutes fit into minimalism when trying to find a home base? Especially in a city like Los Angeles. Well, yeah. f- what Josh really meant to say was, is that he really enjoyed Los Angeles. <laughs> 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 he no, he doesn't well, love Los Angeles. I, I, He's I, not going to marry it. Well, I love the experience of Los Angeles, right? You truly love it. Uh, the the experience. So Good. so I, I I love the experiences. Of, I don't love the things themselves, right? Like Los Angeles is a concept. It's not a, a physical item, right? Uh, I mean, it is technically uh, you know certain square miles a but but what I mean by Los Angeles is this nebulous idea of Los Angeles mm, right okay. um, but but yeah I, I there isn't a, a, a widget or something called Los Angeles that I love you're absolutely right about that I I don't love things um, that's what Ryan's getting at here but um, so my response to her was I, I responded with some pockets that really stand out to me uh, West Hollywood Venice Santa Monica Pasadena downtown are all great by the way I forgot to add Silver Lake Echo Park uh, Los filas and, and Studio City Those are all really good pockets as well I'm sure there are many others uh, That, that I'm, I'm skipping there That I haven't had the time to experience yet uh, But my, my advice to, to Hannah Because she asked uh, Was spend time exploring Find your tribe or tribes and the traffic's not that bad if you end up in a location that suits your needs. And so I think it's important when you're finding a, a neighborhood in any city you're going to, like, what's the location that uh, has proximity to what you need and what you desire? When we first moved, uh, we first come, started coming out to Los Angeles, I didn't like it because I could, couldn't find the right pockets at first, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's about exploring a little bit. Explore the city. You have these fresh eyes. And by the way, Let's say you've lived in Dayton, Ohio, your whole life like I did. Um, It doesn't mean you can't explore the city now. You can explore it like you're a tourist. Mm -hmm. And... um, uh there are plenty of experiences in the city you live in right now. There are museums that you've never been to or haven't been to since you were a kid. There are stadiums and art museums and festivals that you have not gone to. But if you were a tourist, you would show up. Why not show up in your own city like a like a tourist with a fresh pair of eyes and experience your city anew? Speaking of festivals, I was watching this video of uh,
4: the most recent Coachella. Uh-huh. And this dude was walking through the crowd videotaping the crowd. And it was, there wasn't one person not on their cell phone. Well, I take that back. The people who weren't on their cell phones were like posing for pictures. Mm. It was like, it's just funny, man. Very, uh, very, very telling of the times where Coachella is this amazing concert that like, you know, the folks who put it on really try and bring out the best artists. I hear, you know, Beyonce killed it at Coachella, but It's not really about the experience. It's not about enjoying or loving the experience as much as it is about showing your friends that you were there. Yeah. And
1: making your friends jealous that they didn't get to experience what you did. It's a very sort of Stanley Kubrick movie kind of thing or David Foster Wallace novel. It's like uh it's we're living in a dystopian future. It goes back to the the scrolling is the new smoking essay. Which by the way, yeah. by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be on the website, the minimalists.com slash scrolling. Yeah, that's if you that, want to share that.
4: Yeah, that absolutely reminded me of that too, man. It's um it's just unfortunate that we feel like we have to I, like, I just luckily have never felt this way. I could care less about posting a picture of anything. I, was just, I just saw Elton John. It was one of the most amazing concerts I've ever seen in my life. There's nothing on social media about it. Man. I could care less if people knew that I was or was not at Elton John. I was there. Mariah was there. Our, our two very good friends were there. We had an amazing time. It was an amazing concert. I don't have to, A announce it to the world and I don't have to make other people jealous that they didn't get to see Elton John Right. so I, I, again like I feel lucky that I don't have this need for um, for those ephemeral likes for that for, for that attention
1: well it sounds to me like what you're but, saying
4: but I want to understand it though I want to understand why people need that and I don't I don't understand why people need so much attention why they not only do they need so much attention but they have to live a life on social media that they are in fact not living their, well, in
1: their real life i think it comes out of validation significance and, and those are the two big ones like, which to want me to be, are two things that really help with insecurity right uh um so i know this whole kanye west thing is going on recently i mean, you've seen this in the news and don't everything. even get me started man well no it, but here, here's here's the beauty of that um what what's going on uh, amongst the chaos and the rubble occasionally there are glimmers of genius mm-hmm. right and there's one thing he said it was a throwaway line in the interview he did with charlemagne and um he said when i see branding i see insecurity mm. and isn't that and isn't that what this is it's a when and what he meant is like oh he, in the context he was talking about it's like all this displaying logos like when you see a doesn't a, he have his own brand we absolutely he does. And that, that's what he actually. That was the genius of it. He it, was saying, "I'm selling. I'm capitalizing on other people's insecurities. Uh, yeah. That's why my brand's so good." Wow. And, and but when you see a purse with all these L's and V's on a Louis Vuitton purse, what he's saying is, you are. You are outwardly displaying the insecurity. It's the same thing as the f- snapping the, the photo at, at Coachella or or wherever. It's it's look at what I have experienced, accomplished, whatever. It's not a real accomplishment. It's a it's a proxy for accomplishment. Yeah. And and I think the same is true with this. What ultimately what you're saying is you you live your life for you, not for the appearance that to impress others you 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 live your life for you not to impress others yeah and i do like to share bits of my life and i and i do and i do that
4: because i know other like friends and family want to like the australian stuff i tried to post some pictures on instagram to share with friends and family so i wasn't texting and calling you know 20 different people right. uh, when i was when i was on the trip so i mean i think it definitely does serve a purpose and i do like to share bits of my life
1: but you're doing that to be communicative right. not, to, not to impress them sure and i think that's the distinction that, that you want to make here and, and i think ultimately if we're going to go back and and sort of tie this up in a bow for ellen here it's when, when you've moved to new orleans do you yeah you know, it's your life and and, and it, when you're there, it's not to impress other people. It's not to show up and tell them what your job title is or what your major is. Live your life for you, and you can be communicative. You can express yourself without having to impress others. That is, that's pithy, Sean. You can write that down on the minimal maxims. Ellen, the last piece of advice I want to give
4: you is don't deprive yourself if it's not necessary. I know that you're going down there with a minimalist mindset and you want to spend as little as possible and you don't want to get sucked into any of the experiences. I want to encourage you to to budget for some of those experiences. Uh, if you do have to deprive yourself uh, because you are in a tight budget and you have to do that temporarily, so great. Like We totally encourage you to do that, but don't deprive yourself
1: for the sake of depriving
4: yourself. Have fun.
1: All right, uh, Ellen, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's my favorite thing that we have ever created. And it is, uh, well, it's this five-year journey of me and Ryan leaving the corporate world, going from these suit-and-tie corporate guys to becoming minimalists and ultimately the minimalists. But there's also the story in there of downsizing. When I my marriage ended, my mother died. I dealt with my mother's stuff and had to downsize her stuff and, and went to a different city and moved all of that around. But also, I moved into a, a smaller apartment and started downsizing my own life in, in Dayton, Ohio, and then again we moved to Missoula toward the end of the book. And that experience of of moving across the country is is in that book as well, and a lot of the lessons learned from that. So, Sean, if you could reach out to her, uh, send her an audiobook version of that. If you like this podcast, you'll probably like the audiobook. Or if you're more into reading books, we'll send you the physical book or the ebook if you'd like. Or Josh will come to your house and read it. No, you're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Haven't been in New Orleans in a while. <laughs> All right, Stephanie is. Oh my God. Just imagine you knocking on the door with a copy of everything
4: that remains. As soon as, as soon as Elle opens the door, you're like Chapter One.
1: <laughs> it was a
4: dimly lit conference room. No, movie. no,
1: no, no. It's uh, ghosts our, in the ceiling. No, our identities are shaped by the costumes we wear. Oh yeah, that's what it is. I'm seated. Okay, never mind. Never mind. I, I, All uh, right. Yeah. By the way, it's a, that first paragraph and everything that remains. I, I was talking to Jessica, our social media gal, about. So that it's, it's the best thing I've ever written. And it makes me intimidated for the next book or next thing. Like, in fact, I've had four sort of false starts um, on books since writing that book. And it's mainly because of that first page is so good. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's so it's so hard. How am I going to do better than that? You know what, dude? You said something to me the other day when
4: we were – It was I think it was me, Mariah, you, and Bex. And I forget what I was talking about. It was something about the special that we're – Uh, filming the new documentary, the new, the new documentary special that we've got coming out. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, our expectations are really low. Our standards are high, but our expectations are really low. Right. And I was kind of talking about our expectations. And you said, Ryan, I had this realization the other day Uh that minimalism, a documentary about the important things, it might be the best thing we ever do. Yeah. The most popular thing. And you're, and you're, and you're, and you're, you're accepting that. Yeah, and you're okay with that. Yeah, there's no reason you should not have that attitude with this with the next book you're trying to write.
1: Man. No, I, I I totally agree with you. And um, uh, it, you it, may you it's, may never
4: write anything as good as that first page ever it, again. Yeah, it, that's it's, okay. it's true.
1: And it, it, there there's something about about that writing and the time that, that I wrote it. Uh, in that cabin in the middle of nowhere, that that made it sort of like there. It was. It's this time capsule, and it's and it's. It also feels like when people ask you how long did it take to write that book, I'm like, it took 32 years to write the book, right? Right. Because it's about the experience of the first 32 years of my life and your life, Mm -hmm. and. And it's this infinitely dense thing of of experience of growing up poor and then making it in the corporate world and and the taste and the touch and the smells and the feels of of all of that mm. and yeah it was incredibly difficult and painful to write too and so so um, sometimes you have to experience that pain in order to create something that gorgeous yeah yeah that's true our next question is from Stephanie from Parts Unknown I love that city <laughs> it's in uh, Wyoming. <laughs>
5: My friends really like to go out to eat, and I don't really like to spend the money on that. Like, I try to, if I'm going to go out at night, I prefer to have a drink at home out, instead of going out going out and um, spending, like, 10, 12 bucks on a drink, um, and even more um, than that, when, you know, when we get food. Um, and I try to do things that are free, and I try to encourage my friends to do it, too, but they still nevertheless like to do Things that require money, and usually it does going out to eat um, or going to bars. Do you have any suggestions of how I can still spend time with my friends um, You know, when they all like to go out and do those things? So um, it's not awkward when I don't want to go out and, and do those things, but um, I'm also not missing out is a way I can still go out and enjoy um, spending time with them, but um, maybe kind of have them To just um, maybe do other things as well, Um, or um, when we are going to a restaurant, is there another way of handling that?
1: So I think Ryan, I think I think what Stephanie needs to do is she she really needs to find the leverage to get her friends to do something else, or and or. She needs to find new friends or she could do both obviously Mm -hmm. as well right in fact i think both is the solution here i i think what she's saying right now she's going to her friends saying i don't want to go to bars i don't want to do this i don't want to do that you don't want to tell people what you don't want to do tell them what you do want to do right And, and and instead of saying like well Uh, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. Instead, I want to show up with the solution. I I know your friends want to go to bars sometimes. And guess what? Ryan likes to go into bars, or he likes going to parties that I don't like going to. And guess what? I don't go to those. But Ryan is still my best friend. But when we do hang out... I will propose something that um, that I know that we can both enjoy They're, I'm not going to propose things that I don't think he's going to enjoy hey do you want to go to go to this really boring thing with me I, I might do that occasionally I'm not sure whether or not you'll like it and I'll throw it out there I can't think of it there was a, one
4: movie we went to we walked out on I can't think of anything
1: else well, but, we med- both, but we both walked out on that <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah there's there's a meditation <laughs> seminar I'm going to tonight and so like there's something like that and and even then I'm like eh, he might like going, he good. might like going to that um, um, I know you, you couldn't go to it but right. but that that's the whole point is instead of saying instead of saying don't do it tell them what you can do what you want to do what you would find value in and why you would find value in it that's yeah, how well, you get the leverage Well
4: I think you and I can have meaningful experiences together man is because we we really know one another uh-huh. and uh, because we know each other so well we we know you know what we can propose what we cannot propose to do Honestly, I can't, I mean, because we are such good friends, man, and like our personalities, I mean, we're pretty opposite, but for all intents and purposes, like we do have very similar interests. Yeah, we do have some, there's a lot of overlap on the, the Venn diagram of our sure. interests. Ab- ab- absolutely, but but my point is, is that you and I really respect each other, and we really, really look out for one another, and so if, if Stephanie, if her friends are, uh, are like that where they really respect her and they want to look out for her i'm sure that they will be willing to make uh, some compromises but i'll tell you what man like i do still like i'll still go to a bar um just piggybacking off the story where i was seeing out john we were in um we were in uh, las vegas to see him and there were a couple nights where the friends we were with they were um you know hey let's go and grab a drink real quick And since I'm not drinking uh, nearly as, like, I've cut back way on drinking, so I'm I'm not drinking nearly as much, um, I would just sit there and have a club soda, Mm -hmm. or I would just sit there
1: and have nothing, or have a water, and Mariah would do the same thing. Yeah, we did that. Actually, in fact, a couple nights on tour, we were on the Australian tour. Most of the time, I just said, no, I'm going back to my hotel room. But there were one or two nights, like, hey, let's hang out and have a drink afterward, and I would just show up and have a club soda. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, because I was there for my friends.
4: I was there for uh, this concert. I was there for the experience. I wasn't there for the alcohol. Right. I wasn't there for, for the food, although we did eat some awesome food. But I wasn't there for the food. Um, I, I was there to have an experience with my friends. So, so, Stephanie, if your friends are as awesome as I think they are, then you can totally go out with them and bring a bottle of water. And don't, do any, don't buy anything when you're out with them. Be there with your friends. The alcohol, the food, whatever it is that your, your friends are spending money on that you don't feel necessary to spend money on, that is not necessary for you and your friends to have a good time together. And if it is necessary for you and your friends to have a good time together, well, then I'm going to go back to what Josh said. You might want to find some new friends to hang out with. But that doesn't mean that you have to stop hanging out with these current friends, but that does mean that you might want to go out and seek communities. Go to meetup.com. There are plenty of communities on there. And you can find people who, uh, might, might interest, who might align a bit more with your interests, who might align a bit more with your values and your beliefs. And it's okay to find new friends. It's okay to, to split time up with, with new friends. Um, again, I'm not saying that you have to ditch all your current friends right now. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but there are certainly ways for you to, to uh, not just find ways to go out where it doesn't cost money, but find people who also want to go out with you. Uh, uh, when when it isn't going to cost a lot of money. A couple other ideas I have, too, is have you thought about inviting your friends over to cook? Like, I know that Mariah and I, we've got friends in uh, Missoula that we used to do this all the time with where we would say, okay, tonight we're going to have tacos. And Ryan and Mariah, because you guys uh aren't eating Anything, any types of flour, uh, you bring the lettuce wraps and, uh, bring, you know, your meat of choice. And then they would assign, we would assign different, uh, uh, different ingredients to different friends to bring those over. And then guess what? We get together and we'd have an amazing time cooking food together. Uh, that's certainly an idea that you can do, but, but try to think along those lines, Stephanie, what, what ideas can you throw out? to your friends. They like to eat. They like to get together. Great. How can you do that in, in, in a way that's affordable for you?
1: Yeah. I think the, the, the thing about going out to your, with your friends to, to a bar, if all of a sudden you're not drinking with them and it's a, it becomes a shitty experience, you start to realize really quickly like, oh, like this isn't actually meaningful, right? If you're there only to drink and all of a sudden you're not drinking and, and you're like, oh, this this isn't what I thought it was or if the opposite is true if you show up you're not drinking and you start to get judged for it then 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 you realize like oh I do need to find some different friends these friends aren't the friends i thought they were and so plan accordingly last thing i'll I'll say for you stephanie is i think free isn't the goal here so keep that in mind i know you're trying to save some money here but free isn't the goal the best experience is the goal but money is obviously going to be a uh, or the price point is going to be a part of that last week with uh, tk coleman we talked about transactional costs and uh, so that is going to be part of the cost, but all these other costs as well. The social costs, the, the time costs, the, the driving to the place, like, there are all these other embedded costs that we need to think about, but free isn't the goal. I want you to keep that in mind because if that is paramount in your mind, that, that's, the same, that, that's just the same side or it's the other side of the spectrum of the person who was like just trying to spend a whole bunch of money to impress people. Like free isn't the goal here. We want to make sure that we're having a meaningful experience with whatever we're doing. I'd love to send you a copy of our book, uh, Essential. It's an essay collection, has 150 essays in it. But Stephanie, for you, the, the chapter that really stands out is the relationships chapter. So, a bunch of different essays about relationships and interactions with the the people in our lives, how we can apply the minimalist mindset to the experiences and and the people that we experience those experiences with. All right, y'all. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So, if you have a comment or a tip about experiences, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail 406 219 7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at the minimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode and stay tuned to the end of this episode for comments and tips as well. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We do indeed. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at The Minimalists is our handle there. During the lightning round, Ryan and I do our best to each answer a question with just a a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our pithy quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. All right, our first lightning round question is from Erica. Is it better to follow the
4: tried and tested route based on other people's experiences or is it still
1: better to take risks and enjoy the experience from it? Well, my short answer is do what others do unless you have a good reason not to. (laughs) And um, I I actually, uh, I I repurposed this. This is actually from, um, it's not a direct quote, but it's a rewording of one of his philosophies. I'm reading this new book by, um, what's his name? It's the, the, the 12 Rules for Life. Um. Oh my God, Peter Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Peterson Jordan. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, uh, so I've been really fascinated recently by some of his podcast appearances and stuff. And while I don't agree with everything he has to say, I uh, mu- much of what I disagree with, my my thoughts are relatively adjacent to his. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, it reminds me of Cal Newport in a way, uh, or Sam Harris, someone like that, where I haven't always agreed with him, or even Rob Bell. I don't always agree with everything, but I'm close enough that I'm like, huh he articulates this a lot better than i'm articulating this thought or he's obviously thought this particular subject out a whole lot more than i have especially when he's talking about myth but but in this book the the 12 rules for life he is he and we'll put a link to that in the show notes he he talks about and by the way he is um he's going against the grain very much right now in a lot of situations some of which i don't i don't agree with but what i what i've learned here is that no There is a foundation. The people do what they do for a reason. So, what does Erica say here? Tried and tested route, right? Mm. Taking the try. Well, it's been tried and tested for a reason. That's good. We buy products after they've been tried and tested. I don't want the the uh, the bleach that hasn't been tried and tested, right? Or I don't want the food that hasn't been tried and tested. I I do want to go the tried and tested route most of the time. So I do what others do. Unless there's a good reason not to do it. My short
4: answer is this. Learning from others' mistakes is a good idea. So is learning from others' successes. But there's rarely only one way to do something. So what I'm saying is really if you find that there's a certain way to do something and other people have tried it and it hasn't worked, there are examples where, yeah, you might be able to make it work. Uh, there might be, you know, the obverse of that is there's a tried and uh, you, you know true way of doing something that has been tested, and you try it out and it fails. That's also a possibility. So yes, definitely learn from other people's experiences as much as you can, uh, but don't but don't let that, uh, oh, don't let that hold you back from from trying something that you really feel might might be
1: something good for you to try out. Yeah, I think going back to to my point there on that is do what others do until you have a good reason not to. I mean, consumerism is a really good example of that, right? Like I was steeped in consumerism throughout my 20s. I was doing what others did, but then I found a good reason not to. Mm. I was not living a meaningful life. What was my good reason to pivot away from what most other people were doing? So once you have that good reason, then be willing to take charge and, and, and be in charge of your own life, and you don't have to worry about the tried and tested route
4: i think about like when we started the minimalists i mean that dude how many minimalism blogs were there when we started
1: well i didn't know at the time but apparently there was like a thousand (laughs) so it's like i knew a five yeah uh, for sure
4: and and i knew that we had like a different perspective but i mean in that first year i just remember like just seeing like oh my god like i had no idea it wasn't just you know leo and courtney and josh and Colin yeah. talking about uh, minimalism. Right. And and if I would have if I would have known how many blogs there were before we started, it may have made me personally trepidatious to really dive dive into that head first. Uh, only because uh, yeah, who the hell I, I look I still look in the mirror and like who the hell are you? and and that's what i would have thought when we started to the minimalists.com if i would have known there were thousands and thousands of other minimalist blogs but but i'm glad i didn't have that information because it did it did uh, uh, enable me to you know feel like we really were onto something and apparently we were onto something
1: we we definitely were and it was about having that perspective but you're right maybe there were a thousand other perspectives out there but guess what there are 7 billion other perspectives out there yours is the one that matters to you so it's best to refine it by by building upon what others experiences are what's our next question
4: our next question is from senor verde mr green is mr green all right how do we better internalize lessons from past experiences good or bad
1: well i have a short answer for you a very short short answer learn then let go I know for me, it's... Uh, I, I think of the the David Foster Wallace line of everything I've ever let go of has claw marks on it, mm. right? And... Um, that can be true, right? Like the, we don't actually let go until we're forced to let go, but we can. We can choose to let go everything that we've picked up. We can learn from that experience. We can learn from the path past, but we don't have to. We don't have to continue to hold on to the past because living in the rear view is a surefire way to crash. Yeah, I would say
4: if you wouldn't beat up a loved one over their past mistakes, why would you beat yourself up? I mean. I I often, when I'm going to bed at night, Josh, I start to think of all the embarrassing things I've done in my life. And I'll start to like, you know, cringe and like, I don't know why that's when all those stupid embarrassing memories uh, come into my head is like right before I'm falling asleep. Wow. But it's funny though, because what'll happen is I will, I'll be thinking of something, start to feel a little stress or like a little embarrassed and then fall asleep and then kind of, you know, wake back up and, and have that feeling of, uh, of embarrassment or that feeling of angst but I can't remember why Yeah. and what what is really hard for me not to do mm. is to sit there and dig and be like why 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 was I, why am I feeling this I know there was something I was thinking there was a past experience I was thinking about that was making me feel this way what was that well, oh yeah it was that and then I'll start to relive it all over again yeah. as soon as I find myself starting to remember or trying to remember what had caused that feeling I will uh, automatically like start like singing jingle bells or like start (laughs) thinking about my favorite childhood
1: memory or like
4: any because because it's not it doesn't serve any purpose at that point in time
1: especially at night i mean keeping you from going to sleep i I think i think that the past memory for at least in, in my my for me it serves a purpose to where i can if i if i ask the question what what have i learned from that hoping that i don't repeat the same mistake I was i was meeting with that's a good uh, question i was meeting with drew the other day the guy who did the uh, music for our, our last documentary and he has this line on his album uh, i learned a lot of good lessons here that i choose to forget mm. and i think that's the problem is quite often we learn the lesson but then we <laughs> just set it aside and keep doing the same dumb shit over and over and over uh yeah it's like the uh, I know I can stop drinking, I've quit a thousand times before, right? Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's obviously an old joke, but there's truth in, in that kind of humor. And uh, let's learn the lesson once or as few times as possible so we don't have to keep relearning the lesson and and, and digging it back up. We've got one more question. Actually, we had a lot of questions, Ryan, about experiences on, on Twitter. And um, man, this was my favorite out of all of the questions. Richard asks, are there any experiences you regret and for me it was like the perfectly short question and but also my answer to this this question is well yeah of course there are right but if if you want to hear we're going to have a long discussion about this and if you want to hear our answers to this question you can listen to this week's uh, postscript each week we publish our postscript episode over at the Minimalists' private podcast, and you're like, what the heck is the Minimalists' private podcast? I thought I was listening to the Minimalist podcast. Uh, well, the Minimalists' private podcast is just for our Patreon supporters, and that's why it is private. So, if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, then head on over to theminimalists.com/support. In addition to our weekly postscript episodes, the Minimalists' private podcast feed also includes our monthly "Ask the Minimalist Anything" episodes, and it, reclu- it uh, has the the unreleased uh, recordings from some of our live events. We've put out a bunch of those already and a bunch more of those to come. And um, oh, the entire back catalog of of our past private episodes as well. So if, you, if you've if you missed out on the past ones, you can sign up and, and get caught up over there at theminimalists.com slash support. And once you become a supporter, you also receive a personal link to our private feed so that it pay, plays in your uh, regular podcast app, You know the one you're listening to uh, this podcast to right now. So it's Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Feedly or wherever you listen to your podcast. And as a Patreon supporter, you also receive access to our monthly live stream videos as well as first access to tickets to all of our live events before those tickets are available to the general public. You can find all the details and good stuff over at TheMinimalists.com slash support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. Howdy, Patreon supporters. Thank you for your support. We really, truly appreciate it. We're here in our new studio, thanks to you. And Richard has a question about experiences for us. He says, Ryan... (laughs) are there any experiences you regret (laughs) he asked me specifically i got Ah! when i was 19 (laughs) Mm. this is what
4: you get patreon you get you get stuff that josh and i normally wouldn't just say in front of our (laughs) our 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 regular podcast audience (laughs)
1: All right, and we're back. And if you want to hear that full conversation, you can become a patron over at theminimalists.com. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, has anything added value to your life recently? Yeah, man, you uh, briefly mentioned it on uh, the podcast when we, were, when we were talking with TK,
4: but. Uh there's a new album. This is new. It is 2018. I already told you about it. The Leadwise Wise uh, Paranoia album. Lita So good, man. I saw him in concert, uh, God, just a few months ago. The friends we went to Vegas with, yeah. they're actually friends with Lita Wise. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I got to meet his wife and stuff. Is it was he great. from out here? Um, I don't know. I don't know where he lives. I, did, I haven't asked. Um, but The they, album is so good, They might man. be staying out here. Dude, you had the... <laughs> what did you say? You're like... You said he uses auto tune just as
1: good as no I said I said it's auto tune used appropriately right. I said there are only two artists that use auto tune well it's him and Young Thug <laughs> right. Young Thug that's who you compared it to that was great but it's nothing like Young no, Thug no two completely different genres yeah they just both know how to use auto tune really yeah
4: well. he did he did do it really well no it's it's like the more and more I listen to it too the more and more
1: I really enjoy that album but I yeah, agree check it, it, it continues out. to grow on me like it, I, I first time I heard it I was like wow this is good. But then I listened to it again and it has just been playing on my Sono speakers in the house. Like it's just, it's been on repeat, man. And it is, it gets better each time I listen to it. So I have a few things that, uh, experiences that have added value to my life recently. Uh, listening to that album is definitely one experience, but, um, the movie, which you have seen, Ryan, um, it's just a movie that has stayed with me. And, and It's not uplifting or anything like that, but sometimes a piece of art just stays with you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And the movie was uh, Wind River,
4: Oh man, I know I saw it on the airplane.
1: Yeah, and uh, what is it? uh, What was it about again? Well, there's uh, they're in Wyoming. He's uh, um, a hunter. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but there's there's a scene midway through the movie. Oh yeah, that is that is so visceral. And then, of course, the the way things play out, and it is it's tied up in a way that I wouldn't say there's a pretty bow on top. But but it it does uh, unravel. I
4: would yeah. It's like a like an action movie kind of. It's
1: it's hard. Dr- to d- it's like an action drama, more drama than action. Yeah, it's it's definitely a drama. There's very there's maybe one action scene in in the movie for sure. Yeah. It just
4: it's one of those movies where like it can show. I know exactly what scene you're talking about. Um, it can show you the worst side of humanity. Yes. And and the best side. And the best side. And you know what, man? It is when i when i saw that movie and it, and it gave me that visceral feeling at first i was like i almost regretted that experience of watching the movie yeah i was almost I don't like this i was almost like why why would josh tell me to watch this movie yeah um but but then i was able to realize like this 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 is real life yes. And these are things that happen yeah and uh
1: it's it's important to not ignore those things, I guess. Exactly. We, we, we can't just set aside... Not everything is a rock movie. And, and Dwayne Johnson is great. And that's uplifting movies. and He's and, just great, Josh. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson is awesome. He is. But, <laughs> Truly awe-inspiring. <laughs> but, but but the other side of awe-inspiring is, is real life. And, and realizing where the valleys are. I and mean, we're talking some deep valleys in this movie. And uh, Jeremy Renner, who's the star of the film, mm-hmm. is absolutely unbelievable i mean uh, how he didn't win an oscar for this film i i will never know um he did such a great job uh three other things really quick there was a music video it a live uh well it's at npr so it's like live but in studio thing it was uh noah gunderson his sister, Abby Gunderson, and Phoebe Bridgers. And Phoebe Bridgers is a new artist whose new album I really love. But this video, uh, it's a matchup for her song, Killer, and his song, which is called, oh, oh, The Sound. And it is, I was watching it, it's like an eight minute long video, music video, and they're just playing these two songs mashed up together. It is gorgeous and downtrodden but it's an experience it was me and bex and ella all just surrounding this laptop watching this and uh n- spoiler alert here noah gunderson i think he got into a fight the night before he has a, bla- <laughs> he has a black eye and a band-aid on his face Oh, uh, and it looks so noah gunderson and for those of you who don't know who he is he has some really great music but um we'll put a link to this in this, this video in the show notes it's an npr video with noah gunderson and, and phoebe bridgers it's funny
4: because he's not a popular rock star
1: no but he looks like the most popular rock star i have ever seen he's the epitome of, of he really rock. is it's yeah. crazy and i've seen him live so many times and uh what a great performer his music is it's, startling his his show It
4: starts out at the climax and it and it just stays at that climax level. Yeah. Until the very end of it. And then it and then it drops off. It's like from the very beginning, he's just like, oh it's yeah, he's he's a he is definitely a a showman, very much.
1: Yeah, the way I would describe him, I would describe him as an acoustic rock star because mm-hmm. he also plays a lot of like acoustic shows. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost heavy acoustic is the way I could describe you it. You just
4: saw him in concert not too long ago, right? Yeah, I saw him down
1: in Orange County. So was it, did he have the like all the lights going and the lasers and stuff? No, it was just that? him and a guitar and oh. a piano. It was so gorgeous. Because you hear the songs differently. Uh, that song, The Sound, is a heavy rock song. But when he plays it on the piano... Like, I felt like balling up into a, a fetal position and just crying. Uh, he's that good. Uh, in fact, the way I would describe it is how, jokingly, uh, Trent Dabbs describes his music. He, he calls it heavy mellow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that's sort of how Noah Gunderson's music is. But check that video out. You will, you will not regret it. Uh, two other things really quick. Stand-up special from Tom Segura, Disgraceful. It's had a lot of controversy surrounding it recently because he's made some jokes that people in Louisiana weren't happy about so sorry ellen um but um anytime there's controversy surrounding something it at least piques my interest and then i realized the controversy was for nothing here but the stand-up comedy special what from, was the controversy can i ask uh, or do
4: you know it'll talk about ruin it? the
1: joke i can't okay. give away his bit all right um but have to check it out we'll talk yeah, about it later on, yeah it's on netflix check out disgraceful from tom segura it's hilarious bex and i laughed through the whole thing and then last but not least seth godin has a new podcast have you been listening to it at all no, it's called akimbo, um which means you know to stand like this with your arm your hands on your hips, like the Superman pose. yeah, yeah, basically uh standing akimbo is standing yeah in in the Superman pose, even if you're not Superman, and um it is it's it's so Seth Godin. And it's so good. I bet it's a podcast. More minimalist than ours. Uh, yeah, and he answers questions at the end. Like he at the very end, somehow he answers two or three questions within seven minutes. I have no <laughs> idea how he does it. Uh, but he's a master. It takes us know. an hour to do four. <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> but anyway, th- those are the things that added value to to my life. Recently, I've I found a lot of value in all of those. All right, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Uh, well, we're headed to Joshua Tree this weekend. We were in Dayton, Ohio last month, and we filmed some stuff for the new documentary called Less Is Now. We're filming some more stuff out in Joshua Tree this weekend, and... Uh as soon as we have more details on the minimalists less is now documentary, we will, we'll send that out to you. We'll send it to our email list first. So you can get all the details on where that's going to be and, and how it will be distributed. Also, um, over on our side project, it's called minimalism life, which you can find over at minimalism.life. And also I would encourage you to follow minimal minimalism life on Instagram. It's just at minimalism life, really beautiful curated collection of photos there at minimalism life. Um, I just published an essay over there called Consumerism is the New Virtue Signaling. And I'll read the first paragraph from that. We'll put a link to it in the show notes as well, or you can just find it at minimalism.life. There's a lot of talk about so-called virtue signaling these days. However, public expressions to demonstrate good character aren't new. We've been virtue signaling with our sparkly new objects for decades. It's kind of what we were talking about a second ago, Ryan. It's the the, the virtue signaling quite often of look at this, look how virtuous I am. Look at the logo on my bag or look at the the concert I'm at. Look, I'm at Coachella. Mm. Let me signal look at
4: the car I drive. Yeah, especially in
1: L.A. Yes, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Why do
4: people want you to know they're
1: rich? Well, I was just with my well, I was with my I'm, friend McGee recently. We were having dinner the other night. He's a uh, he's in real estate, and he's from the Bay Area. Grew up in the Bay Area, and he he gave me this this fascinating uh well, in his office is in Beverly Hills too. Mm-hmm. So the people he deals with are in Beverly Hills, and that's not uh, by the way that isn't not uh um i'm not saying people in beverly hills are bad people plenty of people in beverly hills it's just are a very expensive people. place to live it's an expensive place to live everyone knows the zip code they're talking right
4: yeah four five six seven thousand dollars a month of rent it's an unbelievable yeah, yeah probably a lot lot
1: more than that actually the well, houses yeah. he deals with oh yeah, yeah forty-five thousand dollars a month <laughs> Good God. Kind of, um anyway um yeah uh we're, we're talking uh very high-end stuff but he's from the Bay Area, and. Um, uh, he, he said, "Yeah, I finally realized the difference between the Bay Area and because it's most expensive to live in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The most exp- expensive place in the United States is San Francisco, yes. right?" Um, and. Uh, LA is certainly up there. It's You're in the talking top. residential, yes. uh, per square foot, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. LA is in the top ten, yeah, in, 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 depending on on what list you see. But um, San Francisco's I, the most. Yeah, yeah San Francisco number one. And, and he said, "I realize the difference. People in San Francisco have ten million dollars and act like they have one. <laughs> people in Los Angeles have a million dollars and act like they have at, ten. Act like they have. It's 10 so million. true, man.
4: But but again, why do people, Josh? Why would I want someone to think I'm rich? Mm. Someone as if I'm driving down the street in a nice, you know, six-figure, hundred thousand-dollar car. Yes, and, P- and and the whole point of that is so people on the street can look at me and go, "That guy's rich," or the guy next to me in their car and go, "Oh wow, that guy's got a
1: nice car. He must be rich." Why do I want people to know I'm rich? Because because of insecurity. Mm. And 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 I can see that. And thus. I want to be significant. We all have a need to be significant. Mm. It's important to all of us. How we get our significance is different. You might get your significance from making breakfast for Mariah in the morning. That makes you feel needed, appreciated, accepted, significant someone Dude. else it's i literally so saw, people are
4: literally trying to buy significance
1: i saw a gold-plated g-wagon outside of our studio yesterday <laughs> it was shiny gold and it was it was hilarious you know, many, you know how many schools in laos i could build for the cost of that car no i don't but um at least because i have no idea how much a, 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 that car costs. but <laughs> <laughs> i went and broke a little piece off and took it down to the the jeweler down the street <laughs> Made a hundred thousand dollars. All right, uh, but but so I'm sorry. So, continue with your- well, consumerism is the original virtue signal. That's the point. Um, or perhaps value signaling is more accurate. By showing off our fancy new toys, we think we're communicating our values to the world, but we're confusing our valuables with our values mm. and I'm going to cut it off there so you Amen. can go and read the That's rest good, of that man. essay over at minimalism.life and uh, what else do we have right here right now? Oh, I'm teaching a writing class so you all know that I teach a four-week writing cl- class called How to Write Better and I know some of you don't have the time, money or resources or maybe you don't want to take the, the investment on of uh, of spending all that that time and attention and also money to, to spend on a four-week writing class but uh, twice a year I do a live two-hour workshop Me and my adjunct professor, Sean Mahalik. we do a two hour writing workshop. Sometimes it goes beyond two hours, but, um, it's live. You also have access to the video after uh, after the workshop as well, and it's much, much, much more affordable than taking the four-week class, and what I do is I tweeze out the best ingredients from that four-week writing class, the things that I've learned over the years about writing, about becoming a best-selling author, about starting a blog, about publishing, but also about the, the actual writing process, the writing, the composition process, but also the editing process, and we talk about the the, the best lessons that I've learned over the years and how you can apply that to your own writing it is not a seminar to try to sell you my four-week class it stands alone on its own so you will get value out of it you're not required to take any additional classes on top of it also it's worth the the price of admission because i give you the the i give you uh links to the best writing resources that I've used, uh, primarily the four books that have had the greatest impact on me with respect to improving my writing, and uh, they're not books that you would think. They're all writing books, but it's they're not like the the uh, the uh, bestseller list of, of writing books are the ones that have worked best for me. And I can tell you, I've tried over a hundred writing books. I used to say I've read over a hundred writing books, but I've read the first chapter of over a hundred writing books. (laughs) Um, and, and I've gotten through quite a few of them. I've dozens of them for sure. Uh, and some of them have been helpful, but the four that are most helpful for me, we go over those in this writing workshop as well. It's on June 24th, uh, this year. And uh, you can sign up for that over at theminimalists.com slash workshop. I open that up to uh, 300 people uh, about every six months. And so those tend to sell out in advance. If you're interested in checking that out, it's June 24th, theminimalists.com slash workshop. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, we have a video version of the podcast coming really soon. If you wanna check that out, head on over to youtube.com slash The Minimalist. You can subscribe to that. And as soon as we start the video podcast, you'll be able to to uh, to watch Ryan's beautiful face pontificate <laughs> on the microphone. I'm going to start combing my hair before these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, one last thing. If uh, you always hear us talk about the show notes, Sean, put that in the show notes. Podcast Sean, word about the show notes. Um, we... Email the show notes to you for every episode if you'd like. Just head on over to theminimalists.com. In your email address at the top, you'll also get any new essays that we publish, uh, any new news updates about our documentary. But, of course, we will never, ever send you spam because spam is disgusting. Gross. Ryan, you got anything else for us? I don't know, man. Do you
4: want to listen to some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners? Yes, indeed. Let's do it. All right. Hi,
3: my name is Stephanie. I am from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, I wanted to leave a comment in regards to the clutter post, and I believe it was clutter post where somebody was talking about all those kind of school papers and will you ever use them again and saving them, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to just um, share a tool that has really been added value to my life as somebody who is going through grad school wanting to do a PhD and does need to kind of refer back to, those uh those items and those notes. Uh Evernote is really great because you can actually scan, scanning party, uh scan all your items and chapters from books, uh you know, journal articles, your notes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can import them into Evernote and you can actually tag them and uh, you can collaborate and share your, your notebooks with uh, colleagues and stuff. And what this does is, like, if you want to go back in time and review kind of, uh, like, something, you know, that you need to reference, you can go right to your tags and all your items that are under that particular category – will show up, and it can show all your notes. You can add to it. You can collaborate. It's just a fantastic tool. If you want to move from keeping all those books and keeping all those references, those reference sheets, those loose papers, to a digital form, it's added a lot of value to my life, and I'm just sharing it with everybody else.
2: Hi, my name is Danielle Euler. I live in Leavenworth, Kansas. I was calling in reply to um, the Impulse podcast that you just did um well not just did but the lady who owns her own small business and she was wondering how to align people with minimalism but also continue to flourish her business it sounded like she owned a yarn shop the there's plenty of prisons and churches that use yarn for different charity events. I know my church does a prayer shawl and that some prisons locally make blankets for small children in hospitals. And that's a way if they would donate their yarn um, to give them a discount and that can also be something she gives back to her community.
6: Hello, this is Morris Bradley Watson calling out of Tampa, Florida and I just wanted to bring up a line of thought in regards to the selling part of decluttering when it comes to minimalism. The first half is a list of price points to consider when selling some of your unused stuff, and the second half is the philosophy behind why letting go is okay, even when you may not be 100% happy with it. So here are five price points to remember and consider when reselling an item. One, the price you paid for it sans tax, Two, the used price sans tax, which is always half the original price. This is what most people want out of their items, but it's not what they'll always get. Three, the market price for similar items. Four, the price the consumer wants to pay for the item. And five, the price you want or will settle for when it comes to the item. One thing to remember is that you don't actually own anything. That may be a difficult concept to grasp, but let me explain. Everything you buy is a remaining lifetime rental, meaning that when you are no longer here, your lease is up and your stuff is not coming with you. Where it goes from there is up for you to determine while you're still here. But let's say you get a brand new couch for $500 and use it for five years. You may not get 250 out of it. You may only get $50 to $100, but even at that, You have the experience of owning that couch for better or worse. And if you discount the amount you resold the couch for, you can count that as how much you initially paid for it. And if you do feel bad about spending as much as you did initially, taking off that $100 can help you feel so much better. So wait, you say, if this is a remaining lifetime rental, what happens when I break the lease and I resell it? Now, that's actually a really fun part. (laughs) Because most times when you break a lease, you have to pay a fee. But in this scenario, you're actually getting paid. But anyway, I found that looking at things this way has really helped me declutter and let go. I hope it helps everyone, too. All
1: right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call. 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
0: Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so, tear your eyes, weep. O, oh, tear your eyes.